Good, uh, good evening, everybody. It's a, a, a very huge privilege to be with you here tonight. Um, ASI is an organization that's dear to a lot of us at GYC. We, were, we just were enamored with what's going on here and uh, incorporating some of the evangelism, amazing facts, and the organization of ASI, the philosophy of campus ministries, and just the, all these other things were happening in the 2000s. It just emerged into GYC to what it is today, and it's a privilege to be standing here before you today. You have your Bibles here tonight. We're going to be studying from the book of John, and uh, that question needs to be asked. Do you have your Bibles tonight? It's becoming more and more common for people not to bring their Bibles, and if you do bring your Bibles, you leave them in your hotel room or for whatever logistical reason, or sometimes you have it on your phone, but it's great to actually have the text in front of you. Amen, everybody? We're going to actually be delving into the text. There are different philosophies to understand scripture, which I believe a lot of these wrong philosophies are entering into the church of saying, hey, you don't need to know the text. Just kind of know generally what stories are in there. We want to get into what Jesus has to speak to us. Amen, everybody? So if you have your Bibles, please open to the book of John. The book of John. John chapter 3. John chapter 3. And before we read from scripture, and ask you to bow your heads with me. Father in heaven, we ask here tonight, Lord, you have promised that in gatherings and in convocations and in conventions such as these, these are your media to pour forth your Holy Spirit. Father, this prayer has been asked already, and we being evil, if we know how to give good gifts to our own children, how much more will you, Father, give us the Holy Spirit to to us that ask? So here tonight on this Friday night, on this ASI Sabbath, we ask for your Holy Spirit to be with our minds, to awaken us of the sober realities that you would have us to realize, and to be with our hearts. Cleanse us with the blood of Jesus, and may we hear from the words of Jesus himself. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. John chapter 3, verse 1. John chapter 3, verse 1. The sermon tonight is entitled, To Jesus by Night. To Jesus by Night. It is a byline or a a nickname for one character in Scripture. It's very interesting how bylines follow you wherever you go. Uh, I'd like to tell you a story. It's actually two stories that happened to me. I'm going to merge them into one for, for illustration's sake. I was once a little child that was uh, showcased before the church like we do on 13th Sabbath, like we did here tonight, where each of the divisions come out and they show their kids and they do these some little cute things and but you just love in kindergarten and primary, they do their things and they can do whatever and it's cute, yes? And I was like, you know, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12 years old, I don't remember, and I had to memorize the 13 memory verses. And we stand up to the mic, and I had a natural falsetto voice back then, and then I'd speak into this mic, and I'd say, God made everything. Genesis 1, 1. And, you know, all the Bible verses. Obviously, there were shortened uh, Bible verses, but at an early age, praise the Lord, that there were teachers who believed in Scripture memorization. Amen, everybody? 
And then we all finished our memory verses, the next person went up, and this was a Korean church, and we worshiped in the gym, and we were high above, just like, kind of like we are today, and it's very nerve-wracking kind of experience. And you know when the kids are nervous, the parents also kind of get nervous, and there's kind of like that tension in the crowd. And then this girl went up to the mic, and she's about to say her, her 13 memory verses, and then her face instantaneously changes, and she becomes white. Not racially, but the blood drains from her, her face. She turns white, this, this, this Korean girl, like she's completely white. And then she puffs up her cheeks and she kind of hurls over into above, in front of everybody, above the, the, the people, breakfast in public. <laughs> it was the most nastiest experience I ever had in my life. And then as a little child, the unsanctified souls that we were, we all did this like, ew, and we stepped away from her, or, <clears throat> excuse me. At that point, everybody was looking for one person. They were not looking for the Lord Jesus Christ, they were looking for the girl's mom to clean up. From that point on, this story or this experience followed her for the rest of her life. We'd go and we'd be two, three years later and be like, hey, remember a couple years ago when you threw up at Sabbath school? We'd be in high school and be like, hey, remember a long time ago, like when we were in like primary, like remember you like threw up at Sabbath school? It was nasty, like pregnant. We'd, get, we'd go to college and come back for Thanksgiving and say, hey, remember a long, long time? Who, that was you, you threw up at Sabbath school? We'd go to weddings and we'd get like reunions coming together and be like, hey, didn't something happen to you at Sabbath school? That's right, you threw up and we never, Make her forget it. This has followed her her entire life. In John chapter 3, and by the way, that's not advice. That's not the most godly thing to do. That's not a sanctified thing to do. Uh, we don't do it anymore. But here in the book of John, there is one character. His name is found in verse 1. And if you're there, please say amen. Amen? You can say amen louder than that. Amen is a, is a, is a biblical word. Amen, everybody? It's not about Amen? Do you have your Bibles, amen? Yeah. Okay, backseat people, do you have your Bibles? Yeah. Okay, we pray for the backseat people, okay? John chapter three, verse one. There was a man of the Pharisees named, what's his name? Now, many of you should be somewhat familiar with this story. We're not gonna go into the, 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 the details of it, but here there's a man named Nicodemus. Nicodemus in verse 1, he was a man of the Pharisees, a ruler of the Jews. And verse 2, the same came to Jesus by what? By night. Nicodemus is mentioned three times and three times alone in the, in the Gospel of John. And every time his name is mentioned, this moniker, this byline follows him. The one that threw up at uh, the one that came to Jesus by night. Nicodemus here in verse 1 is a Pharisee, and, 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 and in my understanding of the Pharisees, they were not church officials, they, that's probably more of the Sadducees were priests, but these Pharisees were businessmen, they were upper class, and they were very, very spiritual, and they were a little bit more conservative in their leanings. Here in verse 1, he is a ruler of the Jews, and in Desire of Ages, he was a very capable leader. He, perhaps once a year he'd have, he'd go to ASI, I don't know. Perhaps he's part of the leader, he's a ruler of the Jews. He was uh, someone who, who could move and shake and he, he, was, he was a top-notch guy. And something about the Pharisees were, at, at an early age they had memorized 
scripture. It was part of the culture of that day, their education system, that many children up to age 12 had to memorize Genesis, Exodus, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. And for those who were successful, would graduate to the secondary level of education and memorize from Judges to Malachi. By the time they had finished memorizing the Old Testament, they would look for rabbis to follow. And the rabbi would ask them many questions. And if they passed these questions, the rabbi would say two words, a two-word statement. He would say, follow me, which basically meant you've graduated. And wherever I go, you go. Wherever I step, you step. Whatever I eat, you eat. Whatever I sleep, you sleep. You will now become my disciple. This doesn't make sense. When the 12 disciples, especially the four fishermen, when Jesus came to them, and by the way, if you didn't pass the first five books, you were sent off to a technical trade school and you learn fishing. You understand. So in comes a rabbi and talks to four fishermen and he says, follow me. And what does the Bible say? And straightway they forsook their nets. Straightway they forsook their father ZBD, left them in the ship with the hired servants, and followed him. It's like saying Harvard Medical School gives you a free uh, uh, scholarship and all expenses paid. You drop everything and go. Yes or no? Well, for some of us. Here, verse 1, Nicodemus is one of those Pharisees, and he's memorized huge portions, if not the entire Old Testament. And I would submit to you today, as Seventh-day Adventists, we need to become a people that knows our Scripture. Amen, everybody? Not in the Pharisaical way, amen, but in a way that the, 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 the Scriptures can fortify our mind. And only those who have fortified their minds with Scripture will be able to survive the heresies and the deceptions of the last day. Amen? Here is one of these people, verse 1. A man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews, the same came to Jesus by night. The context is here. He's coming to Jesus by night. What is happening at night in these days? Uh, back then, today, nighttime is just whatever. Uh, you can do whatever you want. You go to 7-Eleven. You can do everything you do in daytime. You can do it at nighttime. But back then, when it was nighttime, you did absolutely nothing. No lights. No electricity. When the sun goes down, you go down. When the sun goes up, you go up. So here you have a man high in education, high in social stature, high in in finances, if you will, and he's sneaking around in the neighborhood to make sure he's not caught. And he's not going to visit some seedy place, he's going to visit a Jewish rabbi. Verse 2, the same came to Jesus by night and said unto him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God, and he's buttering Jesus up. And here I want to mention, we're not going to go into the actual the dialogue, but here is what Jesus says. Verse 3, Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto you, except a man be born again, he, what's the next word? Cannot. To a man of ability, to say that he couldn't do something was a shock. You can't see the kingdom of God. What? And again, Jesus says again, verse 5, Verily, verily, I say unto you, except a man of, uh, be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. Verse 8, The wind bloweth where it listeth, and thou hearest the sound thereof, but thou, hast, thou, cannot, thou 
but canest not tell whence it cometh. Jesus says here three times, you cannot, you cannot, you cannot. Does this have Nicodemus's attention? What Jesus is doing, here's the profound context. Here, Jesus is talking to Nicodemus one-on-one. And by the way, it's these one-on-one encounters that makes Jesus so wonderful and charming and warm. There's something attractive about Jesus that that Nicodemus is willing to sneak around and to meet one-on-one with Jesus. These one-on-one contacts are are found throughout the book of John. In John chapter 3, you have Nicodemus, a guy of high stature. In John chapter 4, you have a girl of low stature. In John chapter 3, you have Nicodemus who is coming to Jesus. In John chapter 4, you have Jesus coming to the woman. You have John chapter 3, this is at deep in the night. John chapter 4, this is at noontime. Do you see the contrast between the two? One-on-one encounters. When he came, Jesus knew that Nicodemus was ashamed of Jesus. This is the reason why he came to Jesus by night. He didn't want the community to know. He wanted Jesus to be in a, in, a, in a private relationship and nothing to be known in public. And Jesus says, you cannot, you cannot. You can. What he's doing is this. Because that you're ashamed, because of the darkness of your heart, you cannot see or walk or discern the spiritual things. This is making sense. He's actually using the night as an object lesson. Verse 10. Jesus answered and said unto him, Are you a master of Israel and knowest not these things? Verse 11, Verily, verily, I say unto you, We speak that we do know and testify that we have seen, and you, do not, you receive not our witness. If I told you earthly things and you believe not, how shall you believe if I tell you heavenly things? Verse 13, get this. No man has ascended up to heaven, but he that come, came down from heaven, even the Son of Man which is in heaven. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up. Here, Jesus gives Nicodemus an insight about what's to happen. Just like how that serpent was lifted up, Jesus was supposed to be lifted up. And this comes back a little bit later. Go to verse 16. We know verse 16 very well. Uh, this is the famous verse. And go down to verse 19. Again, he talks about light. This is the condemnation. The light has come into the world, and men loved what? Darkness rather than light, because their deeds were evil. For everyone that doth evil hates the light, neither comes into the light, lest his deeds should be reproved. But he that does truth cometh into the light, that his deeds may be made manifest, that they are wrought in God. Here, Jesus is being super straight. He's saying, you're ashamed. Question. How many of you here are ashamed of Christ? Maybe you're not here ashamed of Christ at ASI. But when you go back home and you're in your cubicles or in your offices or in your neighborhoods or in your businesses, you are ashamed of Christ. Maybe you're in schools, maybe you're in in, in civil uh, community organizations and you're afraid of speaking or afraid of being like or afraid of being a straight up bold and confident Seventh-day Adventist. And your relationship with the Lord Jesus is a private one. My father is a tall man. For an Asian, this is very rare. He is taller than me. All sons are taller than their fathers in Korea, except for our family. 
My father in the 60s or 70s was a hippie. So just imagine a Asian Korean hippie. <laughs> he had longer hair. And as a pastor, he's telling me, you got to grow your hair out. And I was like, no, I'm a pastor. I want my hair to be short. And we have these discussions that go back and forth. And finally he says, didn't Jesus have long hair? And there's no biblical support for that. I don't know that. <laughs> One time I went into my dad's closet, where's my mom and dad's closet. And I don't know about you, there's always that one room in, in, in houses where you put all your stuff in that you never want to see ever again. Well, this is magical uh, grounds for, for young children. So I'm an only child. I have a very vivid imagination. And I crawled and I explored this closet. And there are, there are dresses in there that I've never seen my mom wear. There are some hideous things in there. There's some old stuff in there. There's, there's moths in there. And there's like dry cleaning plastic bags that cover everything. And just wonderful, weird stuff. As I delved deeper into this jungle of a closet, I went all the way to the, to the, to the back of the closet. Okay. This isn't some C.S. Lewis story, by the way. And in the back of the closet, there was, get this, an orange leather suit. <laughs> Now, for those of you who are laughing, you're laughing because this was in fashion when you were young. You're, you know what I'm talking about. But for the, these, the younger generation, are like, this is so, this is disturbing for me, and I still remember this. Why in the world is there a suit made out of leather, let alone why is it color orange? And with this orange suit, there was a nice lime green tie hanging with it. For some of you, that's your kitchen. Your kitchen looks like this. And I screamed out loud. I was like, ah, what is this? And my father and my mother come up thinking I've gotten into trouble. And, I'm, uh, and I take out this thing. I'm like, what is this? Who is responsible for this kind of fashion? Of which my father responded. Uh, and a smile. Came out. It's one of those like reminiscing smiles from like the olden days when he used to be young kind of imaginations. Oh, that's my suit. <laughs> oh, man, w w why? <laughs> and he, he offered to give me the suit. And I said, no, 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 I, I don't want it. And he is thinner than I am and, and taller than I am. And so I wouldn't be able to even fit in the suit. And I asked him this, dad. Why do you have this suit? I'm trying to imagine, you know, a skinny Asian tall guy with long hair and a purple, uh, uh, sorry, orange, orange with a green tie. And he said this, that's the suit when I, when, when I met your mother at some, at some party or at the airport or something, or some kind of memory attached to it that he wore. And my mom looked at him like, yeah, he looked pretty dad. I'm like, no, I don't, I don't want this to be happening right now. But here's the point. At that point, I, I said, hey, dad, this is old. Throw it away. And he said, no, I can't. It just holds too much me sentimental memories. It's too good. Okay, then why don't you wear it? <laughs> And what did he say? No, I can't because I'm ashamed of it. And so the suit is in a intermediary state. It can't be thrown away and rejected, but it can't be worn out in public. It's just stuck in a closet in private somewhere. And as long as it's stuck, it's safe. Everything, the status quo can be maintained, but it's stuck in the privacy of a closet. For Nicodemus, his relationship with Jesus was a orange leather suit. He came to Jesus, but he came to Jesus by, by night. Is this making sense? 
For some of us, the Lord Jesus is a wonderful Lord God and Savior. He's the one who saved us. We have great memories with him. The church is his bride. We love the Adventist church. We love Haystacks. We love the ABC and 3ABN and ASI and GYC and every other acronym in this church. We love it to death. But the minute we enter into a public sphere, we turn private and we refuse to talk about the Lord Jesus, let alone be like the Lord Jesus in the public marketplace. Is this making sense? Now, some of you, I know there's some of you here that are thinking, well, that's not me. I go around and, I, and I'm, 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 I'm a public Christian. Second time where Nicodemus is mentioned is found in John chapter 7. Let's go to John chapter 7. John chapter 7. If you're there, please say amen. Hurry up, hurry up, hurry up. John chapter 7. John chapter 7, verse 32. The Pharisees heard that the people murmured such things concerning him, and the Pharisees and the chief priests sent officers to take him. Here, the Pharisees, the same Pharisees that uh, Nicodemus is a part of, they're in a committee meeting, and they finally make a decision. Do we have a motion? We have a motion. Yeah, we have a second? Yes, we have a second. And they pass the motion to take Jesus and to ruffle him up, maybe to kill him, take his life. And I don't know where they got these officers. I don't know if they went to the yellow book, if they went to the internet and go to assassins.com, but they got two guys, okay? And in my imagination, there's just these huge guys with muscles, and they have, you know, tattoos, and they're bald. I don't know why they're bald, but they're bald, and they have these thick necks and bulging, and they're out to get Jesus. Verse 37. In the last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried, saying, If any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. He that believeth on me, as the scripture hath said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of water. And he's, he's preaching here. Verse 40, a lot of the people, therefore, many of the people, therefore, when they heard this saying, they said, of a truth, this is the prophet. Verse 41, others says, this is the Christ. And some said, shall Christ come out of Galilee? Verse 43, there was division amongst the people because of him. Verse 44, and I love this. I see humor in scripture. For some of them would have, would have taken him, but no man laid hands on him. So these two big guys, and I don't know why, but they're men, their names are Brutus and Grutus. They're thinking, well, we're going to take Jesus. We're going to get Jesus. They go to Jesus, and Jesus is preaching in the public square. We're going to get Jesus, and we're going to get him. And as they're going to get him, they're listening to Jesus preach. And while they're listening to the words of Jesus, they get lost in the words of Jesus. Isn't that amazing that even the persecutors are getting lost in the sermons of Jesus? And they forget why they were even there to begin with. Verse 45, then came the officers to the chief priests and the Pharisees, and I love this, they went back. And I'm asking myself, why did they go back? Brutus and Grutus come back, and then the committee's done. Well, did you get him? Get who? Get Jesus. Oh, yeah, we totally forgot about Jesus. Verse 40, 45. Why have you not brought him? And the, answer, and the officers answered, and I love this. Never man spake like this man. Awesome. Verse 47. Then answered then the Pharisees, are you also deceived? Have any of the, the rulers or the Pharisees believed on him? But this people who knoweth not the law are cursed. Verse 50, what is the first word in verse 50? Nicodemus. Nicodemus is part of that board meeting. 
Nicodemus said unto them, and parentheses, just in case you forgot who Nicodemus was. Verse 50, he that threw up at Sabbath school. Is that what the Bible says? (laughs) He that came to Jesus by? The one who was originally ashamed, the one who was originally shy, the the one who was originally introverted, the one that came to Jesus by night, what does he do? He raises his hand and he says this in verse 51. Um, does our law judge any man before it hears him and knows know what, he's, what he doth? Basically, he's saying, hey, is this really fair? Maybe we should give him a fair chance. And the Zara of Ages says there was an uncomfortable silence. Meaning what? Nicodemus was right. And out of sarcasm, they say this in verse 52. They answered and said unto him, Are you also of Galilee? Search and look, for out of Galilee riseth no prophet. And verse 53, every man went unto his own what? And they just walk out. Level two Nicodemus is this. this. This whole process of Nicodemus coming around is taking three years. How long, everybody? For three years. Sometimes there are some people out there, it takes three years to win them. Amen, everybody? It's not an excuse. But some people, it takes three years. Level one, Nicodemus is, ah, oh, you know, I, 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 I want to meet Jesus, but I'm ashamed. I'm going to go to Jesus, but it's going to be at nighttime. Level two, Jesus, uh, Nicodemus. Level two, Nicodemus. He's in a board meeting. Jesus is being attacked, and he raises his hand, and he defends Jesus in the board meeting. Today, we need people who are willing to stand for truth, to stand for, for, for Jesus, to stand for what's right in board meetings. Even if it means incurring an awkward silence or sarcasm from the other side. But still, this was not the level that Nicodemus had to be at. Amen? Level one, he's shy. Level two, he's kind of peeping up but he's still silent. The third time Nicodemus is mentioned is found in John chapter 19. John chapter 19. Turn to page, uh, chapter 19. If you're there, please say amen. Hurry up, hurry up, hurry up. Don't have a lot of time here. John chapter 19, verse 30. Amen? When Jesus therefore had received the vinegar, he said, it is finished. He bowed his head and gave up the ghost. The Jews, therefore, because it was the preparation that the body should not remain on the cross on the Sabbath day, for that Sabbath day was a high day, besought Pilate that their legs might be broken and they may, that they might be taken away. Many of you are familiar that crucifixion is death by suffocation. When the arms are raised up and your, your, your pleural cavity sinks down, you have no space to breathe. So when, you're, when your feet are nailed to the cross, you actually have to stand up on your legs, take a breath, and because you're so tired, you sink back down until you need to breathe again. Basically, you're going up and down and breathing like this. Because it's Sabbath, and because you want Sabbath to look nice on, the, on, a, on a high day, they said, hey, let's break his legs. If you break his legs, he can't stand up. If he can't stand up, he suffocates and dies at an earlier rate, at an earlier, at an earlier time. Verse 32, then came the soldiers to break the legs of the first and of the other, which was crucified with him. But when they came to Jesus and saw that he was dead already, they break not his what? And praise the Lord. This is a fulfillment of prophecy. 
Verse 34, one of the soldiers with a spear pierced his side and forthwith came out there out blood and water. And he that saw it bear record, and his record is true. And he knoweth that he said what that he said is true, that you might believe. These things were done that the scripture should be fulfilled. A bone of him shall not be broken. And again, another scripture said, they shall look on him whom they pierced. You see what's happening here? Jesus is fulfilling all these Old Testament prophecies. If you do a, a careful study of, of, of Psalms chapter 22, the first words of Psalms 22 is, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? These words were, were said by Jesus, yes? And the last words of Psalms 22 in the Hebrew is, it is done or it is finished, of which the last words of Jesus were, it is finished or it is done. And many scholars say that while Jesus was on the cross, and if you have a chance tonight, read Psalms 22, that Jesus is on the cross and heaven has closed, the, the, the Father has turned away, even the clouds are coming on, everyone has rejected him, and he's on the cross, and the only source of encouragement he gets is from Psalms 22. It's from Bible memorization. And in many ways, he's rebuking the, all the Pharisees who have memorized the, all the whole Old Testament. And here he's memorizing, he's, he's quoting Psalms 22. And as he's quoting Psalms 22, the, the actual events are happening to him. They wanted to break his legs, and he already has already died. Okay? He's, he talks about his mother. He's talking about thirsting. These are all found in Psalms 22. Well, at this point, what happens? Verse 438. After this, Joseph of Arimathea, being a disciple of Jesus, but secretly for fear of the Jews, besought Pilate that he might take away the body of Jesus, and Pilate gave him leave. He came, therefore, and took the body of Jesus. Verse 39. There came also, what's the name? Nicodemus. Which at the first, and just in case you forgot who he was, this was the one who threw up, that's uh, the one at first came to Jesus by night. The one who was originally shy, or at second level, he kind of peeped up in a board meeting, but on level three, Nicodemus is this. Verse 39, there came also Nicodemus, which at the first came to Jesus by night, and he brought a mixture of myrrh and aloes, about a hundred pound weight, and they took the body of Jesus and wound it in linen clothes with the spices, as the manner of the Jews is to bury. Here, Nicodemus has gone through a profound transformation that he buys very expensive things and instead of coming to Jesus by night, he's coming to Jesus by day. And he comes to the foot of the cross and he doesn't care who's watching. He doesn't care how much these things were. He doesn't care how much education he has or other people have or what they're thinking. He just doesn't care anymore. He's free from all these things. And the only thing he cares about is the Lord Jesus. Because at that moment, all those memory verses that he's memorized are coming to life. They're flipping through his mind. Genesis 3.15, this is the seed of the woman. 
Exodus. This is, this, this is, this is the lawgiver from Mount Sinai. He sees the blood patterns. On, and this is, this is Pentecost. Pentecost, uh, Passover. Passover is pointing forward to this moment in time now. In Leviticus, all those sacrifices are pointing to this point now. In, in Numbers, the Shekinah glory, this is the bodily form of the Shekinah glory. Now, this is the covenant maker of Deuteronomy. This is the, the king of kings, the judge of judges. This is the guy, the whole Old Testament is pointing to. And all these texts are, are flying through his mind. And he just can't be shy anymore. He realizes it is his moment in time. Seventh-day Adventist brothers and sisters, we know a lot of stuff. Amen? We know a lot of stuff. Yes? Amen? Yes or no? Don't be humble tonight. Do you know a lot of stuff? Yes or no? You know uh, 2300-day prophecy like the back of your hand? Yes or no? You, You should. With all that Bible knowledge, if Jesus is not the focal point, then Seventh-day Adventism becomes one of the most dangerous religions out there. But if Jesus is right at the center of it, this is the most liberating faith on earth. Amen? Here, Nicodemus goes all out. And in the book of, 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 of Acts of the Apostles, what I call level four Nicodemus. It's not even in the Bible. Ellen White says that Nicodemus emptied his accounts, as my words, for the early church. All those high contacts he had, he used them for the church. He used them for the gospel. He used them for the Lord Jesus Christ. And if it was not for him and his best friend, Joe of Arimathea, by the way, which is very interesting, he's looking over at his best friend. He's like, wow, best friend, you're a rich man. There's a prophecy that Jesus will be buried in the tomb of a rich man. Whoa. Like he's living within the prophecy itself. I mean, he's just having this experience. He realizes, I need to go all out for Jesus right now. And Acts of the Apostle says this. He died a poor man. He died a lonely man. But he died a happy man. Because he gave it all for Jesus. The sacrifice that Nicodemus portrayed in the early church will be the same sacrifice necessary in the Latter-day Church. I'm not talking about Latter-day Saints. Amen, everybody? I'm talking about today. This is the, the, the time for the Father's business. And we need to empty all for the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm not saying, like, just empty your, your bank. I'm not talking about finances. I'm talking about empty your reputation for the Lord Jesus Christ. Empty your, 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 the energy that you have. Empty, I don't care if you're young or old. Even if you're 90 years old, the Lord has a work for you to do. You're still alive. Amen? We need to empty all for the Lord Jesus Christ. This isn't some youth meeting where there's a lot of young... You know, youth meetings are very interesting. Young people don't have much. So when you ask them to give all, they they willingly give all because they don't have much to begin with. Amen? 
I've been in enough youth meetings. Give all for Jesus. And they look at their pockets and say, I only have two dollars. Yeah, I can give all. They go all. To, to, to young people, the larger sacrifice is give the rest of your life. Sacrifice your time. Sacrifice your 20s, your 30s for Lord Jesus. You know the world wants our young people in their 20s and their 30s? The fashion industry, they go for the girls in their teens, the 20s, and 30s. The sports industry goes for guys in their 20s. The military goes for their 20s. The business world goes for their 20s and 30s. But why is it that our church rejects those people in their 20s and 30s? And I'm not saying they do it intentionally. Amen, everybody? It just happens. Praise the Lord for their programs like ASI Youth for Jesus. Praise the Lord for all these other programs I can't mention here tonight. But for people who don't have a lot of time, Empty your accounts. Empty the rest of your health, uh, pensions, and, and, and 501Ks, and 401Ks, or 301Ks, or, you know, Windex, or whatever, whatever, all those things out there. Empty your reputations for the Lord Jesus Christ. This is not easy to do. Why? Because we rather be the ones who come to Jesus by night. And here tonight, I make a call. Here at ASI, I pray, if it's Lord willing, that this be the last ASI. Not because ASI is hard. I know other people have preached about this. Other people have prayed this. But let tonight be a demarcation line. There are some of you here tonight, you don't, you're not even level one Nicodemus. You're just here because there's a crowd here. You need to be level one Nicodemus and encounter Jesus one-on-one in your spare time and have a personal, uh, intimate encounter with Jesus. Amen? If that's you, I'm talking to you here tonight. And you know about me, it's, it's, just, it's, it's, it's the experience of the Holy Spirit. Amen? Level two. There's some of you, you're, 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 you're comfortable in just the one-on-one experience, but the Lord is calling you to come out in a board meeting and to stand up for faith, stand up for principle, stand up for truth. Do the right thing even though your reputation may, may dissipate because of it. You are called, whether you're in a, in a classroom, to call and to say something against the professor. To say something against the chair or the board chair or the moderator. And there's some of us here today, if not all of us, we're called to come out to the foot of the cross and to give the Lord Jesus the best and the most expensive of our gifts. And I pray that every person in this room, that we end up being poor and lonely but happy in the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. Fathers and mothers, sacrifice your children. Children, sacrifice your parents. Husbands, sacrifice your wives. Wives, sacrifice your husbands. Our sole focus from this point on is the Lord Jesus Christ. And sometimes... We need a demarcating point for that to happen. And I, I mean, I'm tempted to give a call and ask you to come out, but I'm thinking that with such a, a, a wonderful group such as this, you've already come to many things like this and you've stood up already in the past. The Lord is not calling you to stand up here at ASI 
The Lord is asking you to stand when you're one and one in your bedroom all by yourself. The Lord is calling you to stand in those small board meetings, and the Lord is calling you to stand up when, there's, when you're in front of many, many other people not here at ASI. Amen? How many of you here today want to be a level four Nicodemus? How many of you actually want to say, Lord, I want to be part of the latter reign, and I want to be the Joseph of Arimathea or the, or the Nicodemus? How, raise your hands high. Come on, you're not that tired, are you? You're not that embarrassed, are you? Raise your hands high. Now, this hand is for the cameras to see, yes? You're making a public testament to the entire internet world. But I want to ask you here, how many of you are tired for a call like this and say, Lord, I don't know what you're calling me to. I don't know what this entails. I don't know if you're asking me to, to, to empty my bank accounts. I'm not talking about money, you understand. I'm talking about just giving a mindset of that. I said, Lord, I can't do it. I can't do it. I enjoy the darkness, and I need to be broken of it. If that's you, and the Holy Spirit has spoken through a weird Korean preacher to you tonight, I'm going to ask you to stand up here tonight. And this is not for the cameras. This is for the angels to look and say, man, that person has a problem. Let's help this person out. If you're struggling with darkness, and you can't give all to the cause of Christ, but you want, and you're asking the Lord's help, stand up at this time right now. God bless you, brothers and sisters. In a call such as this, there are some of you still sitting down, and you're sitting down because you're leaders of large organizations, and you're thinking, what will people think of me? You're going through a Nicodemus experience. This is, this is a message for you. Maybe you're not a CEO, but you're, 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 you're a leader of a small little uh, self-supporting ministry in the middle of nowhere, yes? And you're like, man, what will all my employees think of me? What will my all staff think of me? But I can't give all to the cause of Christ. God is calling you here today. Stand up and give it up, and the Lord Jesus will help you. The Lord's calling you today. How many of you want to be a Nicodemus for the Lord Jesus Christ? Stand up now. Hurry up, hurry up, we don't have a lot of time. For those of you who are standing up, God bless you, we're going to have a word of prayer with you. For those of you who are sitting down, do you want to be part of the, the latter rain? And my, my, my assumption is that already we all are. Amen? So God bless you guys. Let's pray. Father in heaven, Lord, Prophecy has a wonderful effect of helping us see the larger picture. And Lord, Nicodemus saw the largest picture possible. He saw your son in every Old Testament text. This, this caused a, a certain unction out of him, a certain zeal that wasn't some kind of fanatical emotionalism, but it was a fervent principle that refused to be closeted up. And Father, I pray that you use organizations like ASI, and Lord, help us to get outside of the cameras, outside of the largeness of this convention, outside of the logistics and the, and, and the, and the wonderful order here. 
and help us to see what you're saying to our hearts right now. Lord, as we go home tonight, as we go to our hotel rooms, there are some people in this room, Lord, grant us no sleep until we surrender before your sight. And Lord, we know that we're here at ASI, we've already given you our hearts, but Lord, there are other components in our lives. Help us to get outside of ourselves. And Father, for the people who are standing up, Lord, inject into their hearts, inject into their minds the engrafted word of truth that can save our souls and then to cause a love for the light, Lord, that may, we may eschew darkness. Lord, may we no longer be proud, confident in our riches, education, social stature, reputations. And may we be solely focused on the cross of Jesus and his work that he's currently doing in the heavenly sanctuary. This we pray humbly in Jesus' name. And let all of God's people say, This media was produced by Audioverse for ASI, Adventist Layman's Services and Industries. If you would like to learn more about ASI, please visit www.asiministries.org. Or if you would like to listen to more free online sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.